This week on Choice Hacking, we're on to part two of our two-part series about how Uber has used behavioral science and psychology to break through competitive barriers in the transportation industry, motivate their users, and nudge their drivers, and how you can learn from their success and even avoid some of their ethical failures. Part one was all about the fascinating ways they use psychology to create a killer customer experience. But this episode is a little different. Today, we're talking about some of the more deceptive and potentially manipulative tactics that Uber has used over the years and how you can avoid their ethical missteps when applying behavioral science to your business. But before we begin, I want to give a shout out to the company sponsoring today's podcast, Campsite.bio. If you're a business, a marketer, a creator, a thought leader, or even a nonprofit who wants to take full advantage of your social media channels to turn your followers into customers, then you need a bio link. Well, what's a bio link, you might ask? Well, you know how Instagram, Twitter, and other social channels only let you share one link in your profile? Well, Campsite.bio turns that single link into a treasure trove of embedded media, like YouTube or podcast episodes, You can capture email addresses right there, or even just send your followers to your online store. I'm a longtime Campsite Pro member, and it's been an indispensable tool to grow the Choice Hacking podcast, add members to my email list, sell more of my books and courses, and even get more clients. Personally, my favorite Campsite feature is the analytics report, where I can see exactly what's resonating with my followers, how they're interacting with my links, and what might need a little bit more experimentation to perfect. Try it now for free. Just visit choicehacking.com forward slash campsite. That's C-A-M-P-S-I-T-E. Convert more followers into customers with campsite.bio. Now, on to the show. Uber has had its share of controversy over the years, whether it's the recent release of the Uber files, a leak of more than 140,000 internal files that outlined the unethical and allegedly illegal ways that Uber tried to break into European markets, or even today's topic, Uber's arguably unethical use of behavioral nudges to motivate its most valuable resource, its drivers. You see, there is a delicate balance that has to happen between supply and demand for the Uber ecosystem to work. The supply of drivers and the demand of riders must be balanced. Perfectly balanced, as all things should be. That's right, Thanos. If either one of these has too many or too few participants, then the whole system is out of whack. If you've ever tried to get an Uber on New Year's Eve, as I have foolishly done twice now, once in New York City and again in Sydney, Australia, you know that not enough drivers and too much demand result in two things. Eye-wateringly high prices and waits that are so long you might as well just walk. And unfortunately, there's no magic Marvel Infinity Stone gauntlet that Uber can snap to get everything back in balance. Instead, they use behavioral science to try and keep things perfectly aligned. In 2017, the New York Times ran an expose about Uber's attempts to keep their drivers driving for longer, one of Uber's biggest challenges in keeping its ecosystem balanced. According to this article, while giving lip service to treating its drivers with more dignity and fairness, Uber also, quote, engaged in an extraordinary behind-the-scenes experiment in behavioral science to manipulate them in the service of its corporate growth. 
The Times then went on to reference dozens of interviews it had conducted with current and former Uber officials, drivers, and even social scientists. The first thing that the New York Times dug up was Uber's use of concrete financial goals to motivate its drivers to stay online. John Streeter, a former Uber driver in Florida, showed the New York Times some of the messages he got on the company's driver app when he tried to log off for the night. The first message's headline said, quote, make it to $330. Another message came through, quote, you're $10 away from making $330 in net earnings. Are you sure you want to go offline? Below this message, there were two choices, go offline or keep driving. Keep driving was highlighted while go offline was not. From a behavioral science perspective, there's a few things going on here. First, these messages play on loss aversion, the principle that says people hate loss much more than they like gain, and they're motivated to avoid loss as much as possible. Second, the goal gradient effect, which says that people are much more motivated by how much they have left to go before they hit a goal. In this case, the arbitrary $330 earning goal that Uber had randomly selected and suggested for this driver. And goal gradient in this case is supercharged by an effect called income targeting that says when workers who can decide how long they wanna work each day and therefore how much they might earn, start their day with a financial goal in mind to motivate themselves. Uber even found that many new drivers practice, quote, an extreme form of income targeting. An internal Uber study found that as they got more experience on the platform, drivers would find that income targeting behavior was very inefficient because it made them work extremely long shifts on slow days and then get off early when they were busy. In other words, by creating these arbitrary income goals to keep drivers driving, Uber was asking drivers to do something that experience would eventually show them was not in their best interest. Because Uber's drivers tended to function as lone wolves with no office or water cooler to bump into colleagues and chat, their entire connection to the company comes in the form of the Uber driver app. In its pursuit of keeping drivers engaged as long as possible, the company used common gamification elements like badging to motivate and reward its drivers. And that sounds fine until you begin to consider the bigger picture. In most markets, Uber drivers are independent contractors who have to pay for fuel, insurance, car maintenance, and other associated costs. Drivers can very easily lose money working with Uber. Scott Weber, an Uber and Lyft driver, told the New York Times that he drove full time and in the year prior to his interview, reported less than $20,000 in income before expenses. He told the paper, quote, I was a business that had a loss. I'm using payday loans. These type of gig economy workers don't have unions to advocate on their behalf, and they can go weeks, months, or even forever before comparing their reality to that of other drivers. So in this context, keeping people driving, which as we've just established is not always in their financial interests, and rewarding them with digital badges instead of, for instance, money, in a closed context where they don't have many ways to increase or even understand their income, isn't helping to improve their welfare and earning potential. Now, to some of you, this might all seem like fair play. Sure, Uber was applying behavioral science, and they never forced anyone to drive for them. But because in all markets at the time, Uber's drivers were considered contractors, none of these behavioral strategies were limited by employment laws. 
Their new CEO, who was brought into the company in 2017, has helped Uber undergo a radical culture change to become more ethical and accountable for decisions like these. But regardless of its current culture or approach to applying behavioral strategies, they're examples of nudges that cross the line have lessons to teach everyone who wants to apply behavioral science to business. First, keep in mind that it can be easy to manipulate people with these effects if we're not consciously paying attention to the behaviors that they're driving. Most people aren't savvy about behavioral nudges. They don't even know what a nudge is. And expecting them to fight against a system that is set up to maximize Uber's corporate income and not driver's income isn't realistic. Second, consider the context of these nudges and not just how they drive the target behaviors. In this case, drivers were operating without any bargaining power, any leverage, or even a realistic understanding of their financial upside. So ask yourself if your nudges are making life better for these folks, or if you're helping to misdirect from bigger issues. Just like digital badging helped distract from the financial reality of driving for Uber, whether that was the intention or not. And last, we should all spend some time thinking about where our ethical lines are drawn. For example, you might not want to work with certain types of companies like alcohol, gambling, or tobacco firms. I'd encourage you to think about where your moral lines are drawn before they're tested. As a little inspiration, Richard Thaler, the author of Nudge, has an ethical code that he prescribes, and I'm sure he wouldn't mind if you borrowed it. First, all nudging should be transparent and never misleading. Second, it should be easy to opt out of the nudge. And three, there should be a good reason to believe the behavior being encouraged will improve the welfare of the people being nudged. Thank you for listening to the Choice Hacking Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media. It takes me about 20 hours to put together every episode, and it is a huge help when you share an episode with your LinkedIn, your Twitter, even your TikTok followers. And don't forget, you can learn more about behavioral science and psychology applied to business when you subscribe to the free Choice Hacking newsletter. You'll join more than 6,000 brilliant UX, CX, and marketing folks from companies like Google, Coke, and Disney who get my newsletter. To sign up, just visit choicehacking.com forward slash subscribe. That's choicehacking.com forward slash subscribe. Until next time. Jap, you can't ignore it. I'm transforming now, these cars and planes. I'm always boarding. Just out touring down in Charlotte, like I play for Hornets. When I'm performing, never boring. Now you can't.